Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. I am Corey Engelhart. I am the host. I am excited for my show this evening. It was it is episode thirty-five. So it's still fairly new, but it, it's been fun to do so far and, and interesting to meet with other people that are excited about baseball and want to talk about it in different walks of life. And, and my guest tonight is somebody I'm really excited to meet over over the podcast, and I hope everyone's uh, interested and excited to hear to hear this show as well. Um, I'm going to bring him on in a minute, and, and we'll get that show We'll get the show started here. His name is uh, Joey Mellows, and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. But his his story to me is just really interesting, and, and his writing I I appreciate. So I hope everybody enjoys the show as much as I do. Um, I'll patch him in now, and we'll get started. Joey, are you there? Hey, Corey, how you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? Yeah, champion, mate, champion. Uh, just in Kansas City. Where are you tonight? I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, fantastic. So you're, are you a St. Paul Saints fan? Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm about, uh, driving-wise, I'm about seven hours north of you, basically. Pretty much a straight shot. Oh, I, I, I love Kansas City. It's a, It's a great town. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm fairly new. I'm just here for the week. I I've just flown in from Seoul, South Korea, uh missing the Winter Olympics to uh to come and see my my better half who lives uh who lives in KC. So uh, I'm back on Saturday actually. Uh back into Korea for the KBO. Uh, I I I'm seeing I'm in Japan actually in 2 weeks time for the uh Japan game against Australia, uh international kind of friendly baseball game. That's awesome. That sounds like a blast. So you wanted to kind of I, I guess skip town during the olympics was that the idea or, or was the tr- trip planned <laughs> for a, a different reason no Corey, it was, it was like to be honest it's just uh i get a couple of weeks off now until the summer and this is one of the weeks and uh yeah it's uh i'd like to have seen a bit of the olympics you know the winter olympics and stuff i'm from england so we don't get too much snow there but uh, sure. it would have been good to uh you know to watch some of the stuff and uh, it's about two hours away from where i live in seoul so uh here for the week and uh uh, actually, uh, speaking to an Atlantic League pitcher tomorrow, Alex Boschers, who's been in the ABL uh, this their summer, which is our winter. Uh, it's just finished yeah. up over there, and he's playing for the, I think the Blue, oh oh boy, uh, Southern Maryland Blue Crabs, I think. <laughs> okay, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so, uh, him. yeah, exactly. That sounds great. So I was just going to ask first before we do anything else, if you could say sure. Um, Maybe who you are and and your Twitter handle and and I, I, maybe the website you write for or anything else like about introduce yourself I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, I'm uh, I'm Joey uh, Joey Mellows. Uh, I've been on Twitter now for maybe about three months, four months. I'm fairly new uh, to Twitter and social media, but uh, you can find me at Baseball uh, Brit B R I T uh, for British. Um, I write for uh, huh. BatFlipsAndNerds.com, uh, which is a British website. Um, com. They also have a podcast out um, uh, weekly, pretty much weekly, and they can be found on Twitter at batflips underscore nerds. Um, they've they've had some really good interviews recently uh, with former uh, our former Labour leader uh, David Miliband, who I guess would be the equivalent of Hillary Clinton. He lost the he lost the election, but he leader of the position. 
and uh, he's a big Red Sox sure. fan. Um, cool. Corey, I've, I've got to be honest and say that straight away. Sorry, you kind of broke out. I didn't. I didn't hear what you said there. Oh, my fault. My Hello? fault. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a Texas Rangers fan. Can you hear me? I can. Hear, I heard that. Yeah, Hello? And that's no problem. There's nothing to apologize there. I can hear you just fine. I'm gonna come upstairs. Actually, I'm in. Uh, I've been uh, put in the basement, but uh, I'm upstairs now in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not disrupting anything. I wouldn't want that at all. <laughs> no worries. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, so you're you're a Rangers fan, but you're um, kind of following independent baseball. That's kind of been your, at least in your your bio that I've read. That's kind of your your goal for the next year or two. Um, what what are you what are you searching for? What what is your goal with with your travels? I guess is my is my first question. I guess. Uh, yeah, it's a tough question, that Corey. Um, I've been teaching for ten years, so. Uh... I'm uh, you know, brought up in England and stuff, and I uh, graduated from uh, Cambridge University uh, about 10 years ago now, and uh, I've been teaching ever since in, in boarding schools in England, you know, like sort of like Hogwarts and stuff, like the Harry Potter stuff, Yeah. Uh, having a rugby team <laughs> at weekends and, you know, boarding duties on Sundays and working ridiculous, you know, kind of timetables and things. But uh, I've been working in Korea for the last four years uh, for a British school, uh, again, a kind of boarding school from, uh, from London, which has a franchise over in Korea. And uh, I just fancy a complete change. I, I fell in love with baseball in Japan uh, a few years ago now. Uh, I saw my first game, first ever game of baseball, uh, the Oryx Buffaloes against the Chipotle Marines, uh, the beginning of their season in 2015, uh, April 2015. And uh, I just fell in love with the game. And uh, independent baseball for me is kind of uh, the last you know, frontier, really, where it's uh, people are playing just for the love of the game. Uh, we've got all this stuff at the minute with the, you know, the, the kind of the big free agents not getting signed and the standoff between the agents and uh, you know, the, the owners and the clubs and things and the players. And in independent ball, they're just playing. They get paid you know, next to nothing, really. Uh, but they're playing for the love of the game and for that dream to get to, to the next level. And that's, that's what excites me as a baseball fan, you know, people that just love the game. Sure. Well, is, so I guess, followed them, is there like a goal of how much you want to see or... or what in your travel like so my description that i've read of you or your description of you is that you're taking the next year or two to to basically see as much independent baseball as as you are able and and interview and meet with people and and is that kind of the goal to just kind of immerse yourself in in that world yeah very much so i mean this summer coming up uh, the plan is to you know to kind of learn watch as much as i can travel as much as i can uh, immerse myself, meet fans and, you know, GMs and players, sponsors, you know, all, all that kind of stuff and just kind of introduce myself to, to independent ball in the various leagues across the country. And then next summer, the plan is to, you know, to really follow a certain narrative, a certain story, and then uh, look to write that book up. Uh, there hasn't really been a big, a big book out about independent baseball since about 1995 um, with Stefan sure. Satsis, who now works for the Washington Post, I think. Um, he uh, he wrote a great book about the, the the old Northern League, which has now kind of morphed into the American Association, uh, visiting yeah. various teams, uh, you know, kind of St. Paul and uh, Winnipeg Gold Eyes, um, and uh, I guess you know twenty that's twenty three years ago now, and uh, I'd like to mm-hmm. I'd like to try and do you know to do something to make sure independent baseball is being written about and being promoted in some format 
in 2019 and 2020. That's really awesome. Yeah, I... I... I gotta say, I, I grew up. I'm from the St. Paul area, basically, and live in St. Paul now. And it's it's a different it's a different sort of entertainment level than um, professional sports can be, and and theater and a lot of other options that people have for their entertainment dollar. But it's certainly, uh, I know I've mentioned I've worked in independent baseball. It's it's near and dear to my heart, and I love hearing people that get excited about about it as well and and why you're excited about it i guess it's 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 really fascinating yeah it's uh it's not what i expected i'd be into at the age of i'm 33 Corey, just turned 33 a couple of weeks ago how old are you congrats 36 you're so 36 okay so you've age. been a st paul fan yeah for a long time and um i'd love to get you down here you know to see the t-bones uh t-bones play maybe the saints later this season uh it'd be great sure. to have you down here and then you can host me maybe up in, uh, I'm definitely heading up to St. Paul on the way to Winnipeg. Um, so it'd be great to, uh, you know, to kind of catch you and, you know, taking a game with you perhaps on the, on the road. Well, for me, at least in, in St. Paul. Yeah. Let me know. That'd be great. I, I would make that work. I, I can't promise Kansas city is easy to get to. I have twin three-year-old boys. So, um, they're oh, kind boy. of an excuse yeah, to awesome. travel a lot at least yet. Maybe when they're a little bit older, but if yeah, you're yeah. in St. Paul, I will absolutely make, make any time work. That'd be fun. Yeah, no, I'll definitely be there. Like, uh, you know, from my research and things, and I, I guess for your listeners, I should stress here that I haven't actually ever been to an independent baseball game yet. Uh, oh, okay. I'm, uh, you know, make, never been, uh, never been in my life to an indie ball game. Uh, I've followed uh, the Oryx Buffaloes around Japan, and I've followed uh, the LG Twins around South Korea, and the Rangers, you know, across the country in the MLB, but never, uh, never, never been to an indie ball game. And that, that for me, is still really, you know, the big thing to get to my first game and kind of immerse myself and then uh, dedicate the next couple of years to, to learning more about it. Sure. Well, okay. So um, I'm always curious. One, one question I ask people when they're wanting to attend any stadium is, do you have a plan for like the first game you're going to the area of the stadium that you like to purchase tickets or do you just say like best available or I got, what is your plan for where do you like to sit to take in a game? Do you do you have a specific area? I I do, Corey, and this isn't going to be very popular probably, but uh, in Korea they have these huge cheering sections uh, with you know, cheerleaders, and they have these mm-hmm. inflatable things they kind of bang, and people have their walk-up songs, and everyone each player's got their own <laughs> their own song and their own chant when they come to the plate, uh, and these songs go on through the duration of their at bat. Um, and in Japan, they have the kind of brass section. It's all trombones and bugles and all kinds of crazy <laughs> things. It's more brass orientated. Uh, but uh, personally, as an Englishman, I'm fairly, I'm fairly reserved. You know, I do fit the stereotypes. <laughs> so for me, I, sure. hate, I hate being anywhere where there's people standing up in front of me and any distraction from just watching <laughs> the game and immersing myself in, in the actual play, which is why I'm there. Um, uh, you know, fundamentally, I'm there to watch baseball. So I like to be... Sure. In Korea, I, I tend to sit in the bleachers at Jamsil Stadium where I watch the LG Twins. Um, I often like it very high up behind home plate uh, in the fairly cheap seats, I guess, but fairly central so I can see the ball going over the you know, home plate and stuff and call strikes and balls myself. And I'm learning how to score baseball at the minute. That's been my big off-season thing, just watching MLB at bat with, uh, with various score sheets in front of me, working out which score sheet I like and uh, you know, trying to learn how to score it as accurately as I can. What about yourself? Where do you like sitting or standing? Oh, I like standing. I like moving around a little bit. If I if I can pick a seat at a game, I, I typically lean 
the third base side, but I don't love sitting super okay. close. Maybe ten, fifteen rows up. Nice. I usually like third base side. I just like that that view to be able to see the pitcher, but maybe even along third base or a little past third base. I just kind of like that angle of it. I, I don't know why. I, if first base is open or outfield's open, I'll absolutely take it. But I'm I'm usually not someone that loves sitting like right behind home plate. I don't love getting that close. I love sitting a little bit further away from from the action. I don't yeah. know if it's due to foul balls or what it is, but I just have always lean towards third base side unless unless I'm at a location where like the the view in in the outfield or the view of the city or the view of the the you know country or or wherever the yeah. landscape is if it's different on one side or the other I'll probably lean towards that but typically it's just I, I don't know why I have a uh I just lean third base if I'm if I'm choosing and don't know the stadium otherwise I guess but and Corey, what's the deal in indie ball with um, with netting? Do you have? I've kind of read a lot about you know netting's fairly controversial in the USA, and people, you know, I think in the major leagues they're they're extending the netting. But what's it like in the independent leagues? Well, I, I can speak for St. Paul, and St. Paul has a newer stadium that's only three or four years old now. Um, the old okay. stadium uh, did not have netting that went very far but it went far enough and I think I think just my opinion foul balls in major league baseball sometimes can come off the bat a little bit faster than foul balls in some indie leagues just for the sake that some major leaguers throw pitch closer to 100 miles an hour than some indie players do and there may be a little bit stronger hitters sometimes at the major league level than than maybe the majority of indie level players but they still can come off really fast and if they're coming okay at you and you don't have a glove and you're not watching or you're looking at your phone for a moment like it can still hurt really bad so i'm all for having as much netting as possible just because people look away and as even if you're like you say trying to track every pitch and paying attention for every moment as much as possible the more safe you can be i'm i'm typically all for i guess in in that environment I'm the same. I, I really am. My eyesight's pretty poor, so uh, anything to protect me from those balls uh, would be great. Sure, and I'm not a professional athlete, so like a 95 mile an hour fastball, <laughs> foul ball coming at me, I'm I'm gonna react as if you're gonna lose that one. Probably I'm not a professional athlete. Yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna try to get out uh, of the yeah, way as best I, I can. can. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's it's a bigger deal, I think, in major leagues. And I think it's a big deal because there was the little girl that got hurt really badly at Yankee Stadium in New York right. last August. And I think because, oh, I mean, it's it was really sad, but I think the impetus happened because that injury happened and it was on live TV when it happened. Um, so because of that injury, I think teams want to get ahead of it and not have those headlines where they probably should have just put the netting up in the first place and not had to wait for, that's my opinion. They should, I, don't, I don't feel like they should have had to wait for something bad to happen to make that change, but at least they're, they're doing it now. Yeah. No, that's uh yeah, I, I think that's a good thing personally. And I, I remember at the ranges, uh, you know, the ballpark in Arlington, there was a, there was a hideous incident a few years ago, I think pot- potentially involving Josh Hamilton, where he threw a ball into the, into the fans and someone had to lean forward and they fell off and they, they landed on their head and I think they had to go to hospital. They might even have died actually. 
I mean, that's not to do with netting, but yeah. uh, I think definitely there could be more safety, you know, safety measures. I'm always surprised when I come to the USA and go to various sporting events how how low the rail is at the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're like in the fourth story at you know watching the, that Dallas Cowboys in Arlington, like uh, people get mm-hmm. excited and the rail is really not that high. And I'm only five nine, so it's it's okay for me. But uh, I do wonder, yeah, uh, potentially there could be there could be a few more accidents unless some more safety stuff's brought in. But uh, we'll see. I mean, Indy Ball, um I'm kind of hoping you know there's some netting, but uh, there's still that kind of you know that closeness to the to the ball, you know, to the pitch and to the to the players, which maybe at some MLB ground you're you're a bit further back and you you don't really feel as uh, you know as part of the uh, the playing experience as hopefully you do in the indie ball leagues, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, and and um, so I, I've seen a few stadiums in in the now American Association. You mentioned the Northern League, and I haven't really ever seen a bad accident due to a foul ball, and I don't know if that's because. Uh, people are paying attention or the ball is just coming off the bat a little bit at a little bit slower rate. But I feel like for the most part, the netting, at least in games I've attended, hasn't been, hasn't been a a hindrance, I guess, uh, as far as the viewing of the game or having injuries happen, there's been enough netting. So I, I, I like to think that that's something that works out. Okay. I guess for the most part. Very much so. And Corey, um, I'll tell you what, in Korea, we don't really have these kind of promotion, these promotion nights I've read a lot about on, on, on Twitter since I've been on there. Um, can you tell me something about, you know, some of the you know, promotion events that you've been to or that you've heard of in, in St. Paul for the, you know, for the Saints? Yeah, so the, the Saints especially, they're, so the St. Paul Saints owner is Mike Vec, whose dad, Bill, owned the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland Indians in the forties and fifties. And he made the hall of fame bill because he was kind of known for adding the Ivy to Wrigley field and uh, a few of the promotions with Cleveland. Like he, um, I forget the guy's name now, but he was instrumental in having a a short person basically hit for an at bat Eddie, Eddie Goodell, who I think was about four feet tall. So he would, he was big into promotions and um, Mike kind of took it from there. Mike Mike is kind of infamous for, if you've heard of the uh, disco demolition night with the White Sox in, I think, about 78 or 79, where um, fans were able to bring their disco records to the game, and they were just going to blow it up between a doubleheader <laughs> with dynamite. And then uh, it didn't go well because there were maybe 120,000 people in a 50,000 seat stadium and uh, fights broke out and a a lot of things. So Mike was kind of known for that for a long time. And then he in (laughs) 88 or 89 came together with an ownership group to buy the saints and bring kind of the fun promotion idea back to, well, even though it wasn't affiliated with major league baseball, because he himself would tell you that he wasn't really, I don't know if blackballed is the right word, but he wasn't really getting offers to work in Major League Baseball because of the right. event, the disco demolition night. So a lot of what St. Paul does, um, and their ownership group owns, I think, seven or eight other teams around the United States, one in Charleston, South Carolina, one near the Hall of Fame in New York, but I forget the name of the town. Um, right. A few others. 
but so their bigger thing is to be family friendly and have um, game night, uh, night promotion nights for specific things, and typically they're fairly topical for local news or or national news to to bring things up. Like I know the Saints every four years have a bobblehead giveaway for the presidential election where people can quote unquote vote for their bobblehead and whoever has the most bobbleheads between the two candidates they'll announce that person won the election that night right um, okay. that sort of thing or like the saints are kind of famous too for like every year having a pig as their mascot and before the year naming the mm-hmm. pig something something topical <laughs> going on I, it's always kind of funny i can pull up the names but um they have yearly promotions like that but then other times they have uh just game day promotions sometimes making fun of something that just happened in the news or um uh, promotions sometimes for local charities to help raise money for specific organizations so it's it's kind of like a community outreach sort of thing as much as it is even just for the fun of it to bring family and mm. and kids to the game and how important, Here, is, uh, you know, how important are the saints for you know for the saint paul community like if you try to to move the to move the team elsewhere would there be would there be a huge uproar within the within the community um i i think saint paul itself as a town i think would would um I don't see it getting moved just because they built the city with with local tax dollars helped build a new stadium yeah. three years ago so i don't I don't think it's happening anytime soon but i I know there's been a rumor that they may not leave necessarily but become affiliated thirty years from now whenever Mike decides to retire but I don't know if that's even the case um right they kind okay. of they've kind yeah. of been an institution here for thirty ish 30-ish going on more than that even years. And as as far as indie ball goes, the Saints are one of the better known non-affiliated teams in the country. So I I don't, I don't know that necessarily they would leave compared to maybe some other teams might, that might come up a little more often as far as discussions go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. The Saints this year, their, the name of their pig is, um, Alternative fats, like F A T S. Alternative. Alternative fats, yeah. Instead of like they try to pick something sort of topical every year, but it's it's usually like related to a pig, kind of. (laughs) It's usually just kind of funny. Oh my. So yeah, that's the name of their pig this year. It's usually a pretty great deal where the pig will, you know, bring the ball, the extra balls out to the umpire between innings whenever they need it and that sort of thing. And towards the end of the year, the pig is just enormous. So it needs help getting through like the bullpen door by that point, or not the bullpen door, the, <laughs> the door behind home plate. Yeah. But the start of the year is oh. rather tiny, so it's kind of kind of cute at that point. But yeah, they, they, they no barbecue right every... at the end of the year. So. Um, it's not at the end of the year. I think once the pig gets to like three, four years old, there's there's not really. It, it's from the same farm and the same farmer for the last. However long they've done it, thirty years, thirty-two years, whatever. But um, it's not they don't they don't barbecue it for a point after the year. But I think when the pig becomes like two, three, four years old, there's 
I think only really so many options you can you can do with a pig when they get that old, I guess. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it is a new pig every year. It's they can only they, you can't have a an old pig coming back to be mascot the second year in a row. So it's right, a new well, pig every year. And they, name, they, they name the pig every year, but maybe they do it. go out to the farm where it's you know like they say where it's sunny and they can run all the time. <laughs> maybe that's what they do. <laughs> you know, that's get retired. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The seeds are fun, and and I liked your survey, so I I I put it out there too on on Facebook and and on here. Like, I I appreciated the survey you you created um, for independent baseball. How would people how would people get to your survey if they were wanting to give their um, opinion on on certain things in that way? That's um, okay. So the survey is currently it's uh, it's on it's on my Twitter at at baseball Brit, uh, but it's it's also on a couple of indie uh, independent websites, uh, indieballisland.com, um, indie okay. uh, ball island. Um, it's run by Kayla Thompson, who's a Washington Wild Things like uber fan, super fan, uh, and she's it, it's currently her top post actually on the indieballisland.com um, uh, website. So people can click on the link through there. Um, you know the results. I'm just looking at them now. Actually, I've got my laptop with me. Uh, it's very interesting, you know, looking at the the data we've got. We've got people filling this in from all over, all over the country. Um, I'm the only one from outside the USA, I think. Although we do have some from Canada, um, and you know, from you know, from my point of view, not knowing much about indie baseball, it's just a fantastic kind of resource to look at, uh, to kind of understand what people think are the best leagues, the best teams, the best ballparks, the best players. Um, yeah, I've got some commercial stuff on there, some questions to do with how they. You know how they kind of check up on use on indie ball, how they think indie ball can be improved, what problems they foresee in the future. Um, so I've really enjoyed going through the, I've really enjoyed going through responses. Um, I'd still like to get a few more actually before I actually publish anything with regard to, uh, with regard to you know any kinds of confidence uh, in the data. Uh, currently on about 62 responses. It'd be good to get up to about okay. 100 before before I start posting. But uh, it's just so good to read the, you know, the kind of. Yeah, responses about why people follow and support independent baseball. Um, it's all the it, it's all the reasons why I'm you know giving up the next two years to really kind of get involved with the um, you know with the leagues uh, uh, across the USA and Canada. Uh, players are more accessible, love of the game. Um, you know, watch, you know, hoping to you know to see the next you know, big big stars in MLB. People liking underdogs. That one comes up a lot. Always rooting for the underdogs and uh, people following their children. Uh, there's quite a few parents filled this in, I think. Sure. And, uh, um, you know, the promotions come up a lot, which is why I asked you about that earlier. That's something I'm really excited yeah. to, you know, to attend various uh, promotions across the country for, you know, in the various leagues, not just the American Association, but in the uh, Atlantic League, the Canadian American, um, the Frontier League. Uh, and also I'm going to, I think I'm going to Detroit or it's Utica in Michigan. Uh, to see the USPBL, oh, cool. I think that stands for United Shore Professional Baseball League. I've been in touch with uh, some of the guys there that work for them, and uh, I know one of the players actually. He plays for the, I think it's the Utica Unicorns. He's their first baseman. I met in KC at a Chiefs game actually about four months cool. ago. So uh, yeah, trying to get as many contacts as I can. You know, GMs and players and fans in in each of these leagues. So if you are, you know, just a fan of independent baseball, then please do get in touch. Um, I'd love to watch a game with you, you know, sort of speak to you and, uh, you know, learn about your favorite teams and your players and things and your experiences with the, with the league. Um, the GMs have been great. They've all been in touch. Well, 
they haven't all been in touch, but uh, they, you know, the ones that have have been very open and uh, very keen to uh, to kind of maybe interview to meet up uh, when I'm when I'm traveling. So uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really excited, Corey. To be honest about, I'm very fortunate. I've got this opportunity. You know, probably the next 18 months just to, to do as much as I want to do with with independent baseball and uh, lots of the things that people write about on the survey actually in terms of you know the you know how they'd like the sport to grow is to do with more media coverage. You know, they'd like uh, you know they'd like there to be a podcast on the baseball. Uh, they'd like there to be more coverage in the you know the kind of sport websites, the sports uh, the sport broadcasts and things. Um, so I guess just if I can help in any way, just to get indie ball more in people's kind of consciousness or people more aware of what it is at least, um, or more people going to the ballpark for promoting these these kind of big nights they have, then uh, then that'd be great for me. That's that's really what I'm doing it for. That's awesome. That's really great. And uh, I guess uh, kind of a follow-up, you're already planning a trip to Michigan. Like I, So I worked for a yeah. little while for a team in Brockton, Massachusetts, and I was curious because you mentioned the K&M League too, and they were in the K&M League until I think a couple, three years ago. They, I switched, I think, switched leagues at that point, um, and they're not, oh, right. they're not in – they're a different league now, and it's it's kind of like the – summer circuit for for college players as they're getting ready to potentially make be drafted or sign with affiliated teams or not so it's a different league than than the canon league but um the canon league itself was really a lot of fun to to check out because especially in the northeast it's a little different than the the american association because all of the teams are so compact together (laughs) In, in that region, yes. you get to so many different stadiums within a couple of hours, let alone um, less than that at certain times. And, and I was curious if you have, like, a a schedule for, like, you mentioned St. Paul, Winnipeg uh, yeah. this summer. Is is there, like, a schedule of when you're going to be getting to other areas there to is, check yeah. out other, other leagues? Hey, big time. I mean, um, you know, rather like yourself, you've got, uh, you know, two, three-year-olds and um, I've got to take into account that I have a you know a good lady here in Kansas City and a six-year-old, so um, <laughs> I do have. I'm trying to get to 30, 30 ballparks in 30 days. You know, 30 um, indie ball games, and I'm I'm seeing the Rockland Boulders. I think I'm seeing the Sussex County Miners. Cool. Uh, I was throwing out a first pitch actually at the York Revolution um, in, oh, uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I've been yeah. invited to do that, which is great. And uh, I have a contact. Uh, being British, there's not, you know, there's not too many contacts in in baseball if you're British. But there's an umpire <laughs> who uh, who umpires back in back in England uh, and on the European stage. And he used to work for the Toledo. I think it's called the Toledo Mud Hens in AAA. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to see the Mud Hens uh, against the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Um, I'm, uh, I'm throwing out first pitch in, in Lansing in Michigan for the Lugnuts against the Cedar Rapids Colonels. I think that's Monday the twenty third of July in the Midwest League, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see the Gary Gary South Shore Railcats. I think they've got like a an office promotion. You know, the office, the uh, the TV program on Wednesdays. The TV they have show, this, yeah. This the office promotion, yeah. And I'm a huge UK office fan from 2000. I think it was 2001, 2002, long time ago yeah, now. Before the American one came out. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to get into the American one. I've never really had the time to sit down and go through because there's so many seasons of the American one, but. Uh, Gary Southshore mm-hmm. Railcats for the office promotion. Uh, what I'm looking to uh, to go to the Schaumburg Boomers, I think, from the Frontier League. I think they, I think they're you know, one of the uh, the most popular teams in the Frontier League. So I'm seeing them against the Windy City Thunderbolts, and 
the new Chicago Dogs team and the American Association and intrigued to find out how their first season goes from a narrative point of view with regards to, you know, setting up. They seem to be doing everything right. Their merchandise, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter. They've got these incredible mm-hmm. kind of hot dog costumes and, you know, are kind of encouraged <laughs> to buy and sit in, you know, full hot dog costume in the, in the ballpark, which they're still constructing, I think, at the moment. Um, but they signed their first player a couple of weeks ago who I've been in touch with. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing the St. Paul Saints, of course. They're, they're very much the, the indie ball darlings from, from at least my research and, you know, kind of analysis mm-hmm. of attendance records and success and Twitter followers. I think they're, they're well out in head um, with regard. Yeah, I mean, I did a survey of the Twitter followers back in December, uh, middle of December, and they, they had 22,000 uh, Twitter followers, which was... Uh, almost 10,000 more than the next most followed team in Indie Ball, which were the Gold Eyes, also in the American Association. But, you know, from the yeah. survey, Corey, it, it seems the Atlantic League is the, that seems to be the one that most people have said is the is the premier competition within Indie Ball. And, you know, living in KC, I, you know, I kind of hope the American Association's up there as well uh, with the T-Bones. I, I know the play-by-play guy here, uh, and I'm looking forward to watching as many T-Bones games as I can. Uh, this coming season so uh, for me that would be something interesting to kind of compare the compare the different leagues and not just the you know the kind of player performance but also the overall atmosphere and the, the amount of fun people are having whilst watching whilst watching baseball is something i'm looking forward to monitoring that's awesome so you, so you mentioned a few places i've been to gary gary is a really fun stadium and it's one of the few or at least it was one of the first stadiums i've been to that uh, over the right field fence is like a bar restaurant so you can you can order right. drinks and food and and just sit on their restaurant patio and be in right field where you could catch a home run like i i don't remember i don't remember seeing a lot of stadiums that had that option and it was it was uh it was fun i can't i can't say i didn't i didn't like that setup it wasn't something i had seen and, and that was this was 2005 so I, there may be more options since that point but that was that was a fun uh, a fun and at that point newer stadium to see, and you mentioned Cedar Rapids too. I've I've been there a few times. They're actually they are affiliated with they're one of the Minnesota Twins minor league uh, lower minor league yeah. teams, but that stadium's uh, a jewel of, of itself too. It's just a fun it's a fun location, and they usually have a lot going on. It's very you mentioned it's like indie ball compared to professional sports. It's it's just a a better entertainment dollar, but it's it's a lot of fun to to go to these games. Tickets, uh, you know, for St. Paul, you know, I guess that would be the most expensive possibly in the American Association. But what's the, how much how much does a night at St. Paul's cost if you have a hot dog, a beer, and a you know ticket? Um, for one person, a, a ticket you can get in for, I think to just get in the door, I think it's six bucks. But that that'll be a general admission oh, wow. where there's not a seat. If you want to see, I think the cheapest are usually about ten bucks, but then yep. they can go up. They can go up higher than that the closer you are. Um, mm. So that that changes it. I, I know they have seats in the twenty to twenty five dollar range, and then they have suites where some other stadiums don't have that that are going to be higher priced. Um, but yeah, compared to professional sports, twenty or twenty five dollars for the seats right behind home plate isn't. Is, is still pretty cheap in comparison. Yeah, I think that's like just covers the parking at uh, you know Royals game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the parking's about eighteen eighteen dollars or something just to park your car at the Royals. 
So uh, that's yeah, incredible value, at least really. Kansas City, you can uh, um, what's the term? You can um, tailgate and and barbecue your own food if you want if you're if you're parking in Kansas City, which that's is true. I haven't been there in a little while, but that is a fun option to have. Um, uh, Kansas yeah. City is is unique, I, I think, in that sense for how well they tailgate compared to a lot of other professionals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, St. St. Paul, mm-hmm. it, it's a really brand new stadium, and I think that it uh, reflects the cost closer to. It's closer on the higher end. Like the the beer is still going to be cheaper than professional stadiums, and the hot dogs are still cheaper than professional stadiums. But you're still, um, it's different than I know the St. Paul Saints when they opened in '93, I think '92. Um, hot dogs were a dollar or two and, and beer was two or three dollars and that's just not the economy anymore but it's still fairly affordable mm. compared to a lot of other options so that's, yeah, that's yeah like if you're going to a Royals game it's going to be yeah a Royals game is just a different price point than almost any um, any indie ball game would be you're not spending the same amount of money and I, I appreciate that I guess I'll put it that way yeah <laughs> Yeah, very much so. <laughs> well, yeah, and so I'm curious from from your survey, one of the questions I liked was you were asking people if they had a favorite independent player, and I, I, I'm curious what you found if you found, like, similar players' names coming up more often than others, and if they were current or if they were were past, I guess, more than anything, the favorite players that people remembered. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking down the list now and because uh you know, I'm not too not too well educated at the moment with uh with indie ball at all. Um I mean there's there's quite a lot where people just said none. I actually don't have a favourite player, sorry, but uh, I'm seeing the name Dan Dan Leons Lions. Fan favourite, great defensive player. Another one, Dan Leons or Lions. Apologies to Dan for mispronouncing his name. Um <laughs> we've got uh, uh Brandon League, Nathaniel Maggio, lots of these they kind of said after is their, that they're their son, uh, which which Matt oh, Larkin's sure. currently living with me. Says this guy, Kevin uh, <laughs> Kevin Keys. I know from you know from the T Bones, I've, I've I've gone through quite a lot of okay. their statistics from last season. And Kevin Keys was a huge. I think he was the big home run guy for the for the T Bones last season. I think he led almost all okay. of the batting, uh, you know, kind of offensive statistics for the T Bones. So he. He appears a couple of times, but uh, because the the people that have filled this in are honestly they're all over the country, Corey. So uh, there's not too much consistency. People tend to just stick to their local their local team. Mark Hamburger, I know he was a saint. I think last season he mm-hmm. he's come up here. They say his backstory is amazing, great with fans, engaging on social media, easy guy to cheer for. I've enjoyed watching him play in the ABL, the Australian Baseball League, this this winter for us. Uh, I think for the Melbourne Aces he's been pitching. He's, he's, he's actually had a horrid mm-hmm. time, but uh, he's a kind of cool story because he's got the long hair and he's, he's, he skateboards to the <laughs> games every day. And he's, uh, I think he's a vegan or whatever, and he, he drives a, a really old camper van kind of thing. And he lives with his parents in Minnesota or St. Paul. Sure. Um, so he's, he's the sort of character that, you know, that I like reading about. Um, personally, I mean, my favorite indie ball player is, is Josh Tolls. Who, who has played uh, for the T-Bones in the past. He was signed by the Gold Eyes, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, this, for this coming season. 
uh, straight out of the ABL for he's been pitching for the Melbourne Aces there where he's the he's a strikeout leader but uh, I think the Phillies have just given him a, a, a professional contract at double A level so uh, Tolsey was someone that I was I'm literally driving to Winnipeg to watch him uh, I planned it all got the accommodation sorted you know via St Paul made sure that all the games were at home but he's actually going to be playing uh, playing in Reading I think for the Fighting Fields hopefully if he if he makes the cut in Pennsylvania so yeah he's my favourite indie baller but um, I'm looking forward to you know to discovering my own this this season. Who's your favourite? Well, I, I, I it's funny reading that. I, I think I actually wrote the description about Mark Hamburger that you that you oh, said. That you? I was like following. Yeah, I think that might have been my yeah. answer on the survey. So he he was somebody I I um I appreciate following, and he he was a former Texas Ranger for a, a little while before yeah. coming into legal issues of his own and then um, going the, the indie ball circuit. I also um longtime fan of, of Bill Lee, but he, he played Major League Baseball in the 70s more and then was into indie ball ever since, and he still plays to this day. So story, stories like that where guys can play into their 60s even and just travel and kind of barnstorm, I, I appreciate <laughs> stories like that too, plus he's just a character in and of itself. Yeah, no, very much so. And from what I know, my limited knowledge is that uh, I think they've both been involved in marijuana, Corey. So, uh, oh, I won't read too yep. much into that, but or should, <laughs> I, much, or should I read a lot? Very of much so. <laughs> uh, with Bill Lee or Mark Hamburger, because they both both. Have I think had, well, Bill. Uh, Bill, I think was into it big time. But Mark, yeah, I think I, he's I, given I, it up I, now. I think I, he he was into it. Yeah, but. maybe he may have. But yeah, Bill. I know there was a quote from Billy, and I'm probably gonna not remember it verbatim, but it was something like uh, he got traded from the Boston Red Sox to the Montreal Expos in the very early 80s, and a reporter mm-hmm. in Montreal was asking him about how um, how it was like going from Boston to Montreal, the, the area and the team and what was different about it. And I think the quote was something like, yeah, God, everyone in Boston uses – um, caffeine and tobacco and and it's just it's hard to be around every that rampant drug use you know all the time and the <laughs> reporter was like yeah. what do you what do you mean coffee what do you mean like that's not a drug we're talking about things like <laughs> marijuana and he's like oh that's no problem I do that every day <laughs> it's something <laughs> like that reporter that's a good, yeah, that's a good <laughs> It was something like that. And then he also had some issues with, with the media because he, um, I know he made fun of the, um, I forget who the politician was, but he was basically saying he was smarter than the politician and got paid more, something like that. I don't remember the oh, quote, I wish I could remember better, but he, he's uh, always been an interesting and outspoken quote, if anything else, and it's just been fun to read about him. Oh, yeah, well, I guess, you know, hopefully this season I'm going to find a few more characters. That's kind of what I'm looking for, I guess, the more unique individuals that aren't so, you know, willing to just, you know, take the corporate line and say, you know, say what their media manager wants them to say, you know, speak more openly. And certainly with the players I've engaged with so far, they uh, they seem very open to uh, to speaking honestly about, about you know, the working conditions and, you know, the pay and the, the day-to-day life of being, you know, being an indie ball player and kind of juggling that with a, with a, I guess a part-time job for six months of the year as well. Lots of them seem to be substitute teachers or you know that kind of thing, baseball mm-hmm. coaches in the off-season, uh, just to make ends meet. Which 
I find incredible that these guys are professional athletes and they're still having to juggle a couple of jobs to make sure they can uh, they can pursue their dream. Sure, and well, I know at least from my time in independent baseball, players that have any professional experience are just paid a different level per month right. than players who are uh, that don't have professional experience. So if they're they're guys simply out of college and didn't get drafted and didn't play professional, they're going to be paid basically. It's not minimum wage, but it's minimum wage for indie ball and it's just a certain rate compared yeah. to maybe a guy that's now in his 30s and played in double a triple a or made the majors for a little bit and is still trying to play he's gonna he's gonna get paid a little bit more to be able to do that and teams love that because if they can say they have a third baseman that six years ago played for the Phillies, fans might yeah want to come to the game because of who that guy is even if he's you know playing for whatever reason he is choosing to still do it it's it's a draw in and of itself and i almost think the players that are into their um well for baseball age late 20s early 30s or more they're they're typically the better quotes i would think are maybe more open about what their goals are as far as indie baseball and i would think that would be really fun to to track the answers because you mentioned like the corporate line and the um, and that kind of interview yeah, yeah, following these... people who open up, I would think that'd be really fun to see. Yeah. Oh, very much so, very much so. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to getting to know, uh, you know, hopefully some of the players and stuff. And uh, there's people that come over, you know, from Australia. They've got these kind of summer tours where they where they have this kind of baseball baseball bar tour, uh, tour where they come over, watch indie baseball, and they, they then, you know, kind of go, you know, frequent the, the local bars near the, near the mm-hmm. ballpark, and then they... They go on to the next place, and uh, they got to know, you know, quite a few of the coaches and the managers rather than the players, because the players seem to change season to season. But uh, um, there really is, uh, well, at least I've been quite, you know, quite, quite astounded by how much interest there is in indie ball, not not just within the USA and you know, kind of southern Canada, but uh, you know, from further overseas as well. People are intrigued by this this type of baseball where people are, you know, kind of outside of the affiliate, affiliated leagues. Corey, who did you used to work for? Well, so yeah, with indie ball. Is, uh, yeah, well, I worked for the St. Paul Saints for a little while, and then I worked for a team oh, in my. Brockton, Massachusetts. They were called the Brockton Rocks, and the, it was the same right. ownership group as the St. Paul Saints were at that time. Oh, so that's how I got the connection to interview there. But um, I did very different things. I was in community relations more with the Saints, so I did a lot of um, outreach to youth programs, youth baseball programs yeah. and other uh, kind of, I guess, charity organizations in the cities when I was here. And then uh, in Massachusetts, I, I was I ran a box office, the box office for the, the team and, and trained interns and that sort of thing. And yeah, it was a blast. I, I loved being around it and, and working in baseball. And it, was, it was a lot of fun in a lot of ways. Um, I, I yeah, it's best. The world. Boys, he drove to the ballpark every day for work. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and that, that it, for me is just a different. dream come true. To... Yeah, it it was. It, it, it was interesting, too. We, I don't know. I think if you're a lifelong baseball person and can make it work, you can make it work with a family. But I know like yeah. if if it was a homestand, like a 10-day homestand, you're 
job is then you're at the park at eight, eight thirty in the morning, like you typically would for any um, any yep. business. It's pretty much a forty hour a week job in like America is, and then your job is also to make sure you're there at the game and helping clean up whenever the game is over. And the ten day homestands sometimes were kind of a uh, it was tiring by the eighth, ninth, tenth game to be there at ten thirty, right. eleven. Even though it was fun, it was still it was a long long week, two weeks sometimes of the amount of time you were there, but it was not anything I would trade for the world. It was a lot of fun for sure. I just, it was something I did before I um, met my wife and long before I had kids. And it was a time that I don't know that I don't know that I could put in the same kind of hours uh, right now that I did then, but I still, like I said, wouldn't trade it for the world, those memories. So, yeah. And yeah, no, it was, it was a blast uh, being around the game and being at the field every day or at another field or just being around it and talking to people who appreciated the sport. It was, it was everything I, I hoped it would be, I guess you could say. And then, and then some in a lot of ways. Yeah. So Corey in St. Paul, do the, um, you know, people from St. Paul, do they also support the, the Minnesota twins or is there, is there some rivalry between the two teams, even though they're in completely different leagues? Yeah, I think I, I. So this is an interesting comparison because I, when I was in living in St. Paul, uh, everybody in the front office and all the fans that I ever met with also loved the Twins, and I think that's still the same. It's kind of a mutual love where the front office of okay. people that I've met that work for the Twins appreciate the Saints too because they're not they're they play the same sport, but it's not really a competition as far as necessarily the fans uh, going to the games. And and there's plenty of games every year where the Saints will plan their game at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. Or no, they'll plan the game at 5 o'clock on a Sunday where the Twins will have a game at 1 o'clock and they'll try to do a cross-town thing where um, if you get tickets to the Twins game, you may get some specific deals at at the Saints game sort of thing. So they kind of work together hand-in-hand for kind of different media dollars where I'm, I know when I was in Massachusetts, it, it was a harder draw to get fans to the game in Bo- Broxton, Brockton, mm. but it's only about 20 minutes south of Boston, and it was it, it felt more night and day as far as fandom uh, of baseball. Like with the Red Sox, you had everyone in that six state region who were just diehard Red Sox fans. And it kind of felt like nothing else mattered sort of where it it was just a different, it felt like a different mindset in that area of the world for the major league compared to the non-affiliated leagues compared to what St. Paul and Minneapolis have, I guess. Right. So I don't know if this is the same everywhere, but, but the cities here, St. Paul, Minneapolis, I, I think they're more, uh, open to a, a relationship and working together as far as the affiliated and non-affiliated teams <laughs> compared to at least yeah. in my experience with Brockton and, and Boston were. Corey, I've got a big question for you, mate. Um, I've read yeah. a lot about Bill Murray, you know, the, yeah, the Hollywood actor, Bill Murray, the comedian, he's involved sure. with the, the St. Paul saints as, as an owner. I, I think, I think, I think he's an owner. Have you ever seen him at yeah. the, you know, the ballpark or have you ever met Bill Murray? Oh, I wish I have. I have not met him in person. I, I've, 
I've been at the park when he's been there, and I just haven't been lucky enough to run into him. And he did not come oh, there. He usually comes about every three years, and um, at right. least for one night in St. Paul. He he lives in mm. Charleston, South Carolina, so he's he's at the games there fairly regularly outside of his um, movies and, and everything he does with TV. But he doesn't get to St. Paul very often, so I, I've been in the park. I know when he's been there, but that was after I worked for the team. I just haven't been able to yes. run into him. That would have been fun to say hello and say how big of a fan I am of some of his movies and everything. But no, I haven't. I haven't run into <laughs> him in real life. It would be, it'd be fun to say that I did. He he certainly seems like just yeah. a decent decent guy. Very much so. Very much so. So Mike, Beck, yeah, is he still uh, he's still yeah. he's still up there. Yeah, he, well, yeah, Mike I mean, Beck lives. He lives in Charleston too, in or around Charleston too. So okay. he's at a lot of the games. But Mike Beck is up in St. Paul for a number of weekends a year. He's he's a much more he's a face. It's it, you'll see him. I wouldn't be shocked if you see him the weekend you're here. He's here pretty regularly compared to to Bill or some of the other owners in the ownership group. I guess you could say. So he's someone that would be pretty easy to meet and say, <clears throat> say hello to, I would think if you can plan out the time when you're going to be here, it might, I'm not going to, maybe easy isn't the right word. He's not just like, but if you plan ahead and, yeah, and talk to the right people, you could, you could see if it could be planned. That'd be yeah, great. He's, uh, he's yeah, a great really nice me. guy. I've met him, mm-hmm. I've met him on a few occasions and he's a really nice guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, Miles Wolf is the other one that I'm really interested to, to learn more about. I've heard he's quite reserved. I think he's, um, uh, you know the sort of minor league godfather by, by the sounds of it, having <laughs> been involved originally with the Durham Bulls in, in 1980, I think it is. I'm reading, I'm reading a book called No Bull at the Minute, all about the the kind of uh, you know setting up minor league baseball in um, in Durham, sure, uh, North Carolina. And uh, my next one's actually about Cape Cod, uh, about college baseball, which you mentioned earlier, which I know nothing about, Corey. I must be honest, but I'm yeah. fascinated by how the kind of college system seems to be your feeder. You know, they kind of feed the the drafts for not just baseball, but for the for the basketball and for the for the American football as well. Um, sure. So, are there any college leagues near near you up in St. Paul that I can I can check out this summer? Yeah, um, there's there's more than a few, and there's not in St. Paul, but within an hour or so, St. Paul there's more than a few. Let me, um, and I think I think they do like Cape Cod and other college summer leagues because. College and high school teams in the United States don't use wooden bats, so it's just a transition right. for players to learn how to swing with from using a metal bat in high school or college to using a wood bat. It's just a different feeling, basically, for swinging and hitting mm-hmm. the ball. It's it's something they have to learn. Well, pitchers, I think, appreciate the move from metal bats just because the ball doesn't come off the bat as fast. But here, let me look at the uh, the name of that league. Um, there's a team in the city called St. Cloud. It's been an hour, maybe an hour and a half north of St. Paul, Minneapolis. But there's a team up there, and their stadium's really great, too. And it's the same sort of thing where tickets and food and beer are all super cheap. <laughs> and the, the, yes. the game action is really good. And it's typically um, prospects that are hoping to be drafted. And sometimes you look back four or five years later and are surprised to see that the star player on your major league team actually played in that league to get an opportunity. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see, you know, as much baseball as I can, really, from all the different leagues. I mean, indie ball is the focus, but uh, college ball is something I'm very, I'm very much, you know, intrigued and interested to learn more about. And there seems to be so much to learn. There's, you know, your country is so huge that uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's so many different leagues and so many different levels that I need to, I need to kind of understand more about. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It's called the Northwoods League, but that's more of the uh, college players who are working to maybe be drafted or maybe get to affiliated ball where it's, so it's a little bit different um, maybe purpose where you're not going to see the 34 year old um, that would maybe play for the Saints in this sort of league it's all 20 21 year old 19 year old kids in, in the Northwoods league so that's why it's a little bit different but it's it's still good competition and good good baseball to watch I'm just looking. I'm just on the Wikipedia page now. Actually, after after you've mentioned it, the Northwoods League is one I've heard of. Actually, uh, as being one of the sure. main. I think it's one of the main college leagues. Um, mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, there's all kinds of fantastic places here. I'd love to visit St. Cloud in Minnesota. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Lacrosse is a really Dakota. nice place too. I've been there. Lacrosse, Wisconsin's a really nice, nice city too. If you're if you're coming up this way, it's a it's a fun town. Yes, no, I'm I'm very much heading up that way. I'm uh, it's not a part of the US I've been to, so very excited to uh you know sure. to go up to Wisconsin and North Dakota and all these places. Um uh, Nebraska as well. Uh, yeah, it's fairly near fairly near to where I am, Lincoln. I think the Lincoln Salt Dogs are in Nebraska, so uh heading up there in the summer for sure, for sure. Well and even if you're um, in Nebraska, um early June ish Late Mayish, there's usually the College World Series in Omaha. That's I, I haven't been to that one yet, but that one's pretty exciting. It looks like on TV to watch the best, basically the NCAA tournament for for college. The final final teams playing there on that last week or so. Oh, I'll definitely add that to the calendar for next for 2019. I think um, I'll be in Korea for that this year, but uh, next year College World Series that'd be awesome. Corey, you give me so much, cool. you know, so many good, so many good ideas, and so much advice. I really appreciate it, mate. And uh, I'm really excited to hopefully catch you, catch you this summer or or next summer at the very latest. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll, I'm I'm not I'm not going anywhere. We're looking for a house. We, we sold our house in December, and we're I'm actually living with my mother-in-law right now, probably into the into the summer at some point, and then we're gonna um, we're yeah. saving up to buy a house in St. Paul. So I'm going to be here for the long haul. So whenever you do come up, just let me know. And oh, I'd love to get to a game. That'd be a good time. Yeah. And if there's anything you want from Korea, you know, baseball wise or Japan or, uh, or England, I can probably get it, you know, kind of uh, bring it over with me. So uh, you know, get thinking, have a look online. And uh, if there's anything you want from, from those leagues, um, I'll do my best uh, to bring it over to you in St. Paul this summer. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I haven't been, I've, I went to, I've been to Seoul, but it's probably been, see, I'm 36. I was 12 when I was there last, so it's been basically a lifetime ago. My sister was adopted from there, so we have met her birth parents and her family. Yeah. But still, it's 20, 25 years, basically, so I don't remember it that well. Yeah, I just remember it being a really lovely time, the, the month or so I spent there at that time with my family. So it, yeah, it, I remember really enjoying it there. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I, rem- yeah. I remember when tra- even when traveling, my I packed my 
glove and ball, and I remember playing catch with my dad. <laughs> Even in Seoul, it was just something. I appreciate that memory, among other things. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet, I bet. All right, well, I, I appreciate your time. It's it's getting late. I, I guess one last time before we end the episode, if you could give your name and Twitter handle or anything else social media-wise you'd want to pass along for people that were listening, if they want to contact you with questions. Yeah, sure, Corey. Thank you. Um, so on Twitter, and you know, please excuse me, I'm fairly new with all this, but uh, I'm at, at BaseballBrit, and uh, I, I contribute to a fantastic uh, British website called BatFlipsAndNerds.com. Uh, they also have a, have, a, have a weekly podcast, which is, which is well worth checking out on iTunes, um, BatFlipsAndNerds. And um, uh, I write occasionally for IndieBallIsland.com, uh, which is run by Kayla Thompson, who's a huge, mm-hmm. anyone involved in indie ball probably knows who Kayla is. Uh, she does a terrific job. Um, and uh, I'm very grateful to, you know, to all the help she's given me since, since I got in contact a few months ago. So, yeah, that's me if you want to get in contact with me. And uh, I'll, I'll always do my best to respond. I'm 15 hours ahead of you normally, <laughs> I think, with the time difference. When I'm back in Korea this, this Sunday, I, I get back. So if I don't reply, you know, within... Within a day, it's it's probably because I haven't seen it until I wake up and then I'm straight off to work. But uh, yeah, please do get in touch, um, and I'd love to hear from anyone uh, that uh, you know that supports or is interested in indie ball. Yeah, that'd be great. I I almost uh, want to apologize because I didn't even really bring up. Uh, I have been looking at your writing a little bit with bat flips and nerds, and I, I didn't I didn't even bring up like what baseball is like in Britain and what you're. The, what the fandom is like, and I, I think I'd love to chat with you again another time to talk about that angle of it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. In, into talking about independent baseball here, I, yeah. I feel like I mean, we missed a missed a section of of topics we can we can discover. There's I, I loads guess. to talk about. It's growing hugely at the minute, and MLB have got plans to have a have a have a summer series in 2019 and 2020 in the UK. Uh, we're not sure where yet. Hopefully London, but uh, you know, possibly elsewhere in the UK and. Uh, baseball, you know, fandom is really growing there. So uh, anytime you want to talk about that, um, you know, I, I, I could easily do half an hour talking about how baseball is growing in the UK uh, with all the British teams as well as our interest in, in American and Japanese and Korean and Australian baseball. Yeah, let's plan that. That'd, that'd be great. Let's let's plan um, maybe later this spring or summer to, to catch up. on. We can do a podcast. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, if you're I'd in love to. St. I'd Paul, love I'd love to, love to catch up in person. That'd be great. For sure, for sure, Corey. And thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate you getting in touch, and I really enjoyed, you know, speaking with you tonight. So, uh, looking forward to seeing you hopefully this summer. Yeah, that sounds good to me. And and really, the pleasure is all mine. This has been a blast, and I appreciate you finding <laughs> the time for this too. So, it's been it's no worries, been fun. Corey. Thank you. Yeah, thank well, you. Yeah, thanks, mate. I, okay. I, I, yeah, have a good night. And um, I guess one last time, this is baseball is good. But yeah, thank you, thank you, Joey. Have a good night. Okay. Thanks, Corey. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Bye.